something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. He's on his iPhone. Chuck. No, no. Uh... That makes this stuff you should know. Uh-huh. The fully attentive podcast. Huh? You were saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really say anything. You always say stuff, and then I repeat it like 30 seconds later. And then hey. I get a look of death from Chuck. We like to cover our bases twice sometimes. Uh, it's important stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, the uh, digestion. That's right. That thing, <laughs> which comes out next. Right? All right, intro man. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I am I stalling? Yeah. Okay. Frankly, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever heard of a Methuselah trust? No, but uh, have something to do with being old. Uh, well, you're not old. Instead, a say a bequeathment, mm-hmm. a grant that you've put in a an account earning compound interest, right, for five hundred or a thousand or a hundred years should conceivably, were it still legal, grow into a staggering amount of money. Right. Very like very quickly. For example, um there was a guy who you might have heard of named Ben Franklin. Benny. Ben Franklin, uh, in his will left a thousand pounds each to the city of Boston and the city of Philadelphia, both of which he considered his hometowns. Okay. Um and these these monies were meant to stay in a uh, private trust that earned compound interest. Uh-huh. And by Franklin's reckoning, um, within so after a hundred years, in uh, eighteen ninety, the so it was supposed to be cracked open, mm-hmm. a bit was supposed to be taken out, and then the rest was supposed to be left in until nineteen nineties, two hundred okay. years after his death. Right. So by his reckoning, it would each city would get about the equivalent of six million dollars a piece. Okay. Uh, by 1990. That's nice. Which is when it was supposed to end and finally mature. Um, It didn't quite work out. Franklin's calculations didn't take into account lawsuits to stop this, to stop the idea of a Methuselah trust in general. Right. Um, Trustees fees, lawyers fees, all this stuff. So what it came down to was about three and a half million each. So he was off the mark a little bit. But he made his point, which was if you put a grand in and you have enough foresight you can give some money to the city of Boston. Did that really happen? Yeah, it really they happened. got their they got their three and a half mil. Yeah, uh, hmm. each town did. Um, 
what this demonstrates probably more than anything, though, is that Franklin was above all else an idea man, right? Yeah. He was pretty good. I mean, he invented spectacles. He had like some really good, uh, some good inventions under his belt. The electric kite. But more than anything else, he was all about ideas and he was more aware than anybody that his ideas weren't always, he didn't see them through to fruition all the time. Right. Not all, not all ideas were meant to be. But another good example of that is his idea for daylight savings time. He was the guy that came up with this. Saving? Daylight saving time. I think most people say savings. Yeah. But it is, in fact, saving. But yeah. we're going to mess up and say savings. So yeah, just p- prepare for that S, people. Uh, Franklin was an ambassador to France, 1784. Which is a pretty cush job back then. Oh, I'm sure. The Enlightenment? Come on. It's a cush job now. Sure. Um, woke up one morning, all his uh, fellow per- Parisians mm-hmm. were sleeping and he said, hey, we should uh, change the time and get these people up earlier. <laughs> Did he talk like he was from Jersey? <laughs> he basically proposed it in, in an article, but it's generally dismissed as satire. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a real idea. Right. His whole idea was to, um, that basically everybody was like sleeping in late while it was still daylight and then staying up late long after sunset. It was a waste of daylight. A great way to fix this is to say, let's get everybody up at the crack of dawn, and we'll do that by shooting off cannons that yeah. wake everybody up. It was sort of a jab at the French. A friendly jab. Well, he was a friend of the French. But, like I said, generally dismissed as satire, not really like the seed of the idea for daylight saving. No, but other people, about a hundred or so years later, came up with similar things, and they meant it. And it's, I don't know if we can say that Franklin didn't mean it, but he was just, he, he didn't think it was a very important idea necessarily. But it's so ingrained in our society here in the United States, here in North America. And most likely, if you're listening to this in Europe or Australia, you know what we're talking about. All over the world, really. Um, that it, it, it you're, you're kind of like, well, yeah, daylight savings. I mean, it's peculiar, but of course we're going to do it. Right. Of course it makes sense. Um, these, this is from people who really can't even tell you whether it's spring forward or fall back. So let's, let's set that straight right now. Because I think if we just stopped there yeah. and said it is spring forward where you set the clock forward an hour mm-hmm. and it's fall back where you set the clock back an hour, we've just done a tremendous public service. Do people really not remember that? Yeah. I'm among them. Really? Yeah. I will always remember it now because I've studied this article, but no, I always had trouble with it. Well, that's why they say spring forward, fall back. It's a you can also fall forward and spring back. You can't spring back. Let me I see can, it. Hold on, <laughs> Josh. Josh just sprung back. Sprung back. Uh, all right. Well, here's the other public service announcement. Here in the U.S., second Sunday in March, you're going to spring forward. The first Sunday in November, you're going to fall back. Yeah. I didn't know that because every year I'm on the internet. It's going. Well, when do we do this? When do we do it? Yeah. I didn't I thought it fluctuated. Second Sunday in March, first Sunday in November. Boom. Yeah, I thought it fluctuated as well too. At 2 a.m. It's uh yeah. Um it's standard now thanks to a lot of um legislation that's taken place over the over the years here in the United States. Um most recently, the Energy Policy Act of 2005 set the rules as you just described them, right? Yes. We should also say, Chuck, to our friends in South America, 
you have the opposite. We're not exactly yeah. sure when it starts for you, but we can tell you that you do spring forward and fall back. No, spring fall back. forward and spring back. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the, the seasons are the opposite. So That's right. they uh, go on to daylight savings time in the fall and then change it. They go off of it in the spring. And also one more thing. Uh, daylight saving time, right, mm-hmm. is not – I find it confusing in that the mind wants to say it's it's like daylight time saving. It's like daylight saving time, right? Yeah. Like you're time saving. Yeah. But really it's daylight saving time. So it's like a period of the year. Yeah. So it, it, I've always had trouble wrapping my mind around how it, it, they're just You're saving daylight, not time. Everything yeah. about this is so confounding. I know, because I'm one of those people that's like, what the clock says is arbitrary in a way, unless you have a, a shift job. You would have made a great farmer. Yeah, that's kind of bunk, too, from what I hear. Okay, so let's talk about right. this, man. Um, you just gave the deets on uh, when to do it. Yes. Um, in the United States, it's the Energy Policy Act of 2005. That establishes that. But if you are Arizona or Hawaii or Guam and you say, I don't want this to apply to me, I already feel cut off enough from this country, yeah. um, from the, the rest of the world, I'm going to apply for an exemption, you're probably going to get it. Yeah, Indiana's had a, a mixed history with uh, daylight saving. Uh, they've kind of fluctuated back and forth over the years. Yep. And at times, only some counties had it and some didn't. And they finally went all in. Uh, in I think 2006. In, was it 06? Yeah. Pretty so, recently. Yeah, if you're in Indiana, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and it's not just the United States. Apparently, as of 2008, 76 countries observe daylight savings time. Yeah, I saw 70, but I don't know which source is newer. So we'll go with 70 to 76. But... Just after reading this, I could see six countries Opting falling. Out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very—it's a surprisingly contentious thing setting the clock back an hour. Basically, I saw one source that calls it the arrogance of humanity. Oh, to to set time period. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, to, to adjust the clock. Well, yeah, it's like it is now two and not one. Right, exactly. And it is a little bit loony if you think about it. Um, I think Japan, India, and China are the only major industrialized nations who do not observe. And it, it's getting more and more difficult, too, to um, be a country like that in this globalized world to not observe to not, uh, yeah. daylight savings. So, I mean, it's kind of problematic. Sure. Yeah. I, I imagine that's why most countries do it now. Well, not most, but a lot. So Europe has long observed uh, what's called summertime. Um but it wasn't until 1996 that the EU said, hey, uh, let's all just stop this patchwork thing. Here's the standards now. Right. Um, and it's uh, the European Union says it runs from daylight saving mm-hmm. time, the time of daylight saving. Summertime. Yeah. Uh, it's the last Sunday in March to the last Sunday in October. That's the the EU? Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. Stop. Stuff you should know. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we you mentioned earlier that the, another couple of guys that proposed this. Yeah. Um, one of them was a. a New Zealander named George Vernon Hudson, and he was actually the first dude to genuinely propose this. And he gets overlooked a lot of times uh, by the other guy that we'll talk about. But Hudson, in 1895, uh, was an entomologist and astronomer, mm-hmm. and he had a shift job that allowed him, uh, I guess he worked at night because it allowed him extra daylight hours that his friends weren't getting. Mm-hmm. He'd go out and hunt for bugs, and he was like, this is great. He's like, we ought to really try and do this. Yeah. But uh, William Willett of England is uh, the guy that a lot of people credit with it. And I think it's because it was kind of his passion in life. Yeah. Like he really, really tried to get this pushed through. Yeah. He was an avid golfer. And his whole premise for it was that it would extend time for leisure after work, after everybody got done working for the day. Yeah. There's still daylight hours. Get the links. Um, and he wrote a pamphlet that's online. It's called The Waste of Daylight. Uh, it's online in its entirety if you search that. Um, and he lobbied the House of Commons to institute this. And in 1908, they officially said, nah. But he yeah. kept lobbying him until his death in, I think, the 20s. Uh, died in 1915, actually, so he did not get to see it because a year later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Insultingly enough, a year later, it was uh, it was brought on in England Thanks to a little something called World War One. Yeah, and actually, it was Germany that was the first country to ever institute daylight savings time. Yeah, they called it wartime, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, so did FDR later on. Oh, did he? Yeah, um, but the uh, Germans 
the Germans started it, the English quickly saw the value in it, and they started it, and it was all the preserved coal supplies yeah. during the war. Um, because if you are, were up earlier, you'd be tired earlier, and you wouldn't stay up as late yeah. burning precious coal needed to pound the Kaiser into oblivion. <laughs> That's right. And uh, a lot of a lot of nations got on board because of World War One, uh, 31 in total, including the U.S. And then World War Two. Uh, well, after the war, I think most of these countries got rid of it. It was just for war. Yeah. And then World War Two came around. Same thing happened, but in more abundance, uh, 52 nations this time. Right. And the U.S. actually kept daylight savings year round for three full years yeah, uninterrupted from, uh, what is it, February 1942 to September 1945. And apparently FDR, he called it wartime too. He had no problem with it. He was just going to leave it like that indefinitely. Um, and he finally acquiesced to farmers, which, um, if you know much about farmers at that era, they were really effective at striking. At overturning like um, scab trucks and like dealing with communists right. and like being pro-communist, um, and they were a force to be reckoned with. They called it God's time. Did they really? Yeah, we'll talk more about the farmers in a minute. All right, um, go on. Uh, well, we we had it for three years solid, like you said, and then after the war, they said, you know what, you don't have to do it, but it's up to your state uh, if you want to keep doing this or not. Some did, some didn't. Yeah. So that's the history. Well, actually, no, it keeps going in 1966. Does. History does keep going, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it so, never stops. So the states are—it's all patchwork, and everybody's just kind of doing what, however they want. But we have this thing called the interstate system that comes about, which links states more and more, and there's more trade. And really, people need to know what time it is. Yeah, in another state that they're sending stuff to. Sure. Um, so the Uniform Time Act of 1966 finally said. You guys can decide whether you want to do it, but if you're going to do it, you have to do it along these guidelines. Yeah. Um, and it stayed that way uninterrupted in, until 1986, except for the Arab um, oil embargo, where the U.S. said, you know, we're going to extend uh, the daylight savings to um, through winter as well. Yeah, it went from six months to eight months uh, in 1973 because they found that uh, – Doing so saved the equivalent of 10,000 barrels of oil a day. That's a lot. And 600,000 in those two years. So that's what they said. It is. Is it true? Who knows? Are yeah, there conspiracies about that? Definitely up for debate. What, whether it saved 10,000 barrels of oil a day? Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it's up for debate. The, the weird thing about daylight savings is it's largely been intuitive. For decades, it was practiced for decades before anybody finally put it to the test. Right. Well, the whole point behind it is this, Chuck. That there are more people asleep at sunrise and more businesses are closed at sunrise than at sunset. So if you look at electrical demand, right, mm -hmm. um, as a whole over the course of a single day, you're going to see in the afternoon, in the evening, it starts to peak. Yeah. If you take an hour... If you take the whole day and mm -hmm. shift it backward by an hour, people are going to get up earlier, and it's going to spread that electrical demand over the day. Yeah, They're also going to go to bed earlier, so they're going to use lamps less. They're going to stay up less late to watch TV. Yeah. Um, so the overall demand should decrease, too. And this is the whole reason that daylight savings time has always been um, kind of championed by most people. 
that's the whole reason that they want you to think. Well, that's part of it. The other is to get people outside more. Yeah, I mean, I, I read up on this, and what I found out was that it really comes down to money. They want you spending money more. Yeah. And that is going to happen more if you're out and about shopping or playing golf. Exactly, like the golf lobby in 86. The last time before 2005 that anybody tinkered with it, Reagan said in Public Law 99, he started it the first Sunday in April, which was uh, where before in 1966 it was from the last Sunday in April. Right. So a full month he added to daylight savings time. Um, but the golf lobby said that it, an extra month or an extra hour, I think an extra month, was like $400 million to just that industry alone. I don't know. See there? Yeah. Money talks. It does. Uh, and the reason I say that that's the main reason is because they've done studies. And in fact, in 73, when they did the oil embargo, they didn't just study uh, oil barrels. They studied utilities. And they found that it's a pretty negligible difference, about 1% energy savings. But that's for the whole country. That's yeah. a lot. That is a substantial amount of – that's a lot. See, I read it's negligible. So say so say it is 1%. Say it is negligible. But say that it's 0% if you don't do anything. You automatically have said, well, there's a, there's a savings in energy, especially right. in this eco-conscious society that we're, we're, we're growing into. Um, that's it right there. Okay, daylight savings time. Do it. We'll save 1% yeah. of all the energy expended. Fine, do it. It's better than not, right? Sure. What else could possibly go wrong? And I was very surprised from this article to find that there's actually counter arguments to daylight saving time. Well, yeah, because they basically, I think people have challenged these studies is what I've seen. Uh, in 2001, they did another study, the Cal- uh, California did, where they actually doubled it to a two-hour shift. And in the end, they found that... Uh, electricity savings of about 0.03 for the year. Right, which is substantially less. But you can also say it's still better than nothing. Why not just do it? (laughs) That's true. There's also other arguments, too, things like um, there's fewer traffic accidents in the evenings Yeah, uh, because it's lighter out. That's what they say. On the evening commute, um, crime is decreased because criminals prefer darkness. And if you're out taking a walk after work and it's light out still, you're probably not going to get mugged. Um, And then, of course, the golf industry said everybody needs to get off their rears and get outside and play more golf. Yeah. Golf fever. Catch it. (laughs) And um, they are big on that as well. Well, I got most of my info you should know from uh, that skeptoid guy. Let's hear it. Dunning. Well, no, that's what he said. He said, basically, it's all about money. He said, don't be fooled into thinking this is some energy plan. And he said that the the numbers are suspect and that it really comes down to spending money as a as a consumer. I'm sure it does. But the other the other aspect of it, the you know, who's the biggest against it now? Who? These days it used to be farmers. Well, he said that's bunk, too. He he bunks everything, though. So here's the thing. Farmers, from what I understand, it used to be farmers, and I've seen this elsewhere, that farmers had a problem with it because daylight savings added a day, an hour onto their day. They had to get up with the, with the, at the crack of dawn, no matter what time it was. So if it was actually, if they had an extra hour, they had to extend their business hours because they had to deal with the public who was running on an hour later time. Right. So farmers hated daylight savings and they railed against it. That's my understanding. With modern technology, 
that, that uh, where a lot of the farm processes are automated, they don't have to worry about the the sun time or God's time right. uh, as much. They're not as opposed to it. The problem is uh, with airlines now. When they're flying to places that don't have daylight savings, they apparently have a lot more trouble I'm sure. getting a slot yeah. at an airport when the time doesn't quite match up because the airport's like, we're not going to the trouble of figuring this out. Just right. go lobby your government to stop screwing with time. So apparently that's the big industry that's opposed to daylight savings right now. Interesting. Yeah. Um, like I said, though, he, 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 he's, that's his job. He's the skeptoid. Debunking. He said the farmer thing is he thinks is somewhat of a myth because he can't find any. He said all the sources are the exact same, and he can't find any like origin source that he yeah. thinks is valid. That's a, that's pretty good evidence that something is a myth. But he's trying to prove a negative. He should be opposed to that. <laughs> Maybe he is. Huh. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There was a new study, though, um, recently by a guy named Matthew Cochin. Yeah. He's an economist at Cal Go Bears. And, um, you know, I said Indiana's kind of been back and forth over the years with, yeah. like, half the state doing it. Yep. When they finally went all in in 06, he said, hey, there's a great opportunity to, to check this out and study it. And he found that it led to a 1% rise. He figured that lamp usage went down 
overall across the daylight savings. Right. But that there is a peak in energy demand that was an increase over when you don't observe daylight savings. In the fall, when it was cold in Indiana, in the form of heating, like people had their heat went up because they weren't under the blankets as early right. as when they when they just observed standard time year-round. And that actually cost $9 million for the state. Well, I think that's part of Dunning-Singh, too, is these studies that were done in the 70s, they didn't have you know, computers and iPods and Blu-ray players, and we have way more things besides lamps these days right. to take into account Yeah, and air conditioners and things like that. Yep. So he's saying it's kind of an outdated there were no lamps in the 70s. An outdated model. The uh, And daylight savings, Chuck, also kind of strikes me as like a really good example of for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So like there's fewer fender benders during the evening commute. Yeah. But apparently parents are also like parents groups are also opposed to daylight savings in part because kids, accidents involving kids waiting for the bus in the darker mornings uh-huh. increase. Oh, really? And then if crime goes down during the summer, but then it increases in the fall. Now, there's no there's no figures to support that necessarily. But right. there's also the only study ever conducted about how daylight savings creates a decrease in crime was a single study of the District, district of Columbia in the 70s uh-huh. that found a, a 10% reduction. But no one's ever backed it up right. or refuted and that's it or the only one. like that. Yep. Well, and think about it, too. Car wrecks are good for industries like tow trucks and mechanics. The tow truck lobby. The auto industry. Yeah. That wants to sell you a new bumper. I don't know. But um, it does everything. You're right. Everything has an, an opposite reaction. And also, apparently, chronobiologically, it can be very problematic for us. So says, was he German? Yeah. I didn't see his name. He's just referred to as a German chronobiologist. There's <laughs> only I, one. I couldn't find him or well, her. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he or she says that your body never even adjusts, period, to the circadian rhythm. And so you're just out of whack for eight months out of the year. Or I guess it depends on which one he right. thinks is right. So, yeah, and the big like problem is going back and back, like back, going back and forth. Right. Like if we all just said, okay, the whole world's going to set their clocks back one hour forever, and that will be referred to from here on out as the hour, the, yeah. the moment, and then we're just going to forget about daylight savings time, it would conceivably have the same effect, right? Right. But it would not have that jet lag problem that the German chronobiologist describes. Right. Um, and even worse, there's other people that propose um, a, a extended daylight savings through throughout the throughout the year. Like or throughout winter year? as well. Uh, oh, okay. Right. If we did that once, it would conceivably be fine. Our bodies could adjust. It's going back and forth. Uh, okay. Other people are proposing double daylight savings where you go back two hours. Right. Which would probably wreak havoc if our, if the chronobiologist is correct. Right. And there's actually data that supports this idea that like our bodies are disrupted by it, like the Swedish heart attack study. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I never thought of it as losing an hour, though, because it happened at 2 a.m. on Sunday, and I would just wake up, and whatever the clock said is what it said. Yeah. I never felt like, you know, I guess I don't get up Sunday morning at 7 for a shift job. No, that's a big part of it. I saw on The Consumer, some guy wanted to know about getting paid um, on because he worked the late night on uh, November, this past November, for Sunday in November. 
Oh yeah. When he had an extra hour, because uh-huh. there's actually 25 hours in that day. Right. For one one a.m. is counted twice. Interesting. Isn't that? There's yeah. a 25 hour day that we just went through. That's got to mess us up somehow. <laughs> it's got to. And it does. The Swedish study I was referring to found um, that since 1987, the number of heart attacks rose about five percent during the first week of daylight savings time every year. And then Australia, some Australians looked at some data between 1971 and 2001 mm-hmm. and found that male suicides increase um, in the weeks following daylight savings time. And they're controlling for everything else. And it appears to just be daylight savings really affects people with bipolar disorder. Huh. And they are more, men are more prone, Australian men with bipolar disorder are more prone to commit suicide in the weeks immediately preceding the change over to daylight saving. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. It is sad. Um, there have been some kind of interesting things that happened over the years because of DST. In 99, the uh, the West Bank was on daylight savings. Israel had just switched back to standard time. Mm-hmm. So a group of West Bank terrorists were preparing some time bombs, smuggled them to their counterparts in Israel, and uh, as they were planning the bombs, they blew up. No. Yes. No. That's what it says. Is that from Skeptoid? No. Is that from Snopes? <laughs> I'll take Snopes, too. I think I think that's real. Wow. I think that happened. That is crazy. Uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul were on different uh, different times in uh, 1965. <laughs> that's crazy, too. Which kind of whacked things out. Uh, Amtrak, a train cannot leave the station before it's scheduled to. Obviously, can't leave early because everyone's going to get on. Mm-hmm. So when you fall back in October, if you're running on time, you stop and sit there for an hour. November. What I say? October. I think it used to be in October when when this was written. So you sit there for an extra hour if you're on Amtrak on that day. That's right. That's crazy. And then in the spring, apparently they don't do anything but try and catch up. Like everything's a little late for a little wow. while, and they just try to like. Drive faster. <laughs> Can you imagine being a, log- a logistician? I want to hear from logisticians. I have a <laughs> deep respect for your profession. Yeah, agreed. That's tough stuff. Time. Who knew? Yeah. You know? Is it arbitrary? What the clock says? It's just a number. I, tr- I, I, I tend to go with just the, the rise and fall of the sun and moon. You know? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, you could throw away every clock in the world and nothing would really change. And, you know... In uncivilized parts of the world. In the civilized world, everything runs on the clock, but it's just time. The number was invented by man. I know what you mean, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A little abstract. Uh, thanks for that, Chuck. I think that was an excellent way to kind of put everybody to sleep. But no, just, <laughs> you just put them on a little cloud and went, yeah, man. You know? Um, if you want to learn more about clouds, about daylight savings time, about Chuck Bryant, you can type in those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it'll bring up some very cool stuff, I assure you. Um, and I said search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. That means it's time, Chuck, for listener contest. That's right. Not listener mail. We have a contest that... We have nothing to do with. Yeah, this was sprung on us, but we, we like it. We're in favor of it. Yes. If you are interested in coming to Atlanta... All expenses paid. Yeah, that's the that's the kicker. Actually, I'm not going to say all expenses paid. Yeah, I don't know if we should legally say that. Certain expenses are paid. They'll uh, you can come here, tour the studio, hang out in the office. We'll even go to lunch with you, with Jerry. 
Yeah, Jerry will be there, and yeah. you'll get to see her face. Like we won't make her wear like a paper bag. You can enter in this contest. Uh, it runs now. If, if you're if in what? America. Yeah, yeah. We get the grief. United States. As I always tell everyone from Canada and elsewhere that's mad about this, I can't win your contest either. I don't think that makes anybody feel better. No. If you're American. If it, you're in the United States. It runs through December 31st. Winners will be announced the week of January 1st, 2012. Grand prize trip to Atlanta includes one night hotel, airfare up to 500 bucks. Nice. And an American Express gift card for incidentals. Like taking me and Chuck out to lunch. <laughs> no, I think we'll pick that up. Oh, okay. Uh, and if you refer somebody, like you, you, you go to Facebook, thehowstuffworks.com, not the stuff you should know. Go to the howstuffworks.com Facebook page right. to enter. Yeah. And you have to like it. Yeah. And then you enter. But and that's it, the only way to enter as far as I know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think so. Uh, but if you, if you refer someone um, and they win, I'm sorry. After person A enters a contest, oh, he or she can share the contest link with friends uh-huh. via Facebook and Twitter. And if a friend of theirs wins, then you win a Kindle Fire. That's not too shabby. So does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, I would I would give you the, the link, but it's like 3,000 characters long. So just go to Facebook, HowStuffWork.com. Uh, HowStuffWorks.com. HowStuffWorks official Facebook page. Yeah, and, and you will find the information there. Yeah. And lunch, lunch it up with us. Yeah, let's lunch. Let's do lunch. <laughs> uh, before we go, I want to correct myself, big time correct myself, about patent trolls in the uh, gene patents okay. episode. I mentioned patent trolls, and I don't even remember what I said they were, but I was way off. Yeah. Uh, patent <laughs> trolls are people who go around buying patents. With no intent of manufacturing these things uh, or what the patent is for. I figured that's what it was. Like buying up website domains? Sure. But then they sue. They, the whole point is to own the patent so that they can sue anybody who infringes on it. Huh. So basically, they're keeping any kind of innovation from coming about along the same lines of what they own the patent to by suing people who try to do it. And they're, they're basically just whatever this great idea that's patented it's just never going to see the light of day because they have no interest in doing that. They just want the money from suing people. Gotcha. That's a patent troll. I apologize for... To all the patent trolls out there. <laughs> no, yes. To all the people who corrected me. Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, if you want to correct us, we are always up for that. You can send us a tweet at SYSK Podcast. You can uh, join us on Facebook. We have our own page, too. It's uh, Stuff You Should Know. Uh, and uh, you can also send us a good old-fashioned email Stuff podcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.